glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. Let's uh, turn in the Bible to Genesis chapter 28. We're going to get right into the Word of God. I know it's been a long day uh, for most of us, and uh, some of you got some traveling to do this evening, so we want to get right into the message tonight. Trust God will use it to speak to our hearts. I'm glad to be a part of this missions conference. I do believe this is, we're talking about a subject that is near, very near to the heart of God. I believe it's an expression of the heart of God. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so it is God's desire for souls to be saved. I believe it's God's desire for all men to be saved. And, uh, and so this matter of missions is about seeing people come to know the Lord Jesus as their personal Savior. And it's our responsibility to take the gospel uh, to every creature. Amen. And uh, thank God for this church. Your pastor expressed uh, in the Sunday school hour when we began this meeting this week uh, that uh, he felt like the church was at a place where we need to really think about moving forward, that you're involved in missions, not only here at home, but abroad. Uh, you're involved in giving. You're involved in sending. You're involved in going. And uh, thank God for that. Uh, but there's no resting place. Amen. There's, uh, when Jesus gave the Great Commission, he, he told us to go into Jerusalem and not just stay there. Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. In other words, keep moving forward. Amen. And uh, so uh, this week we're trusting that God will help us uh, to look at what kind of what areas in our lives uh, we can abound in when it comes to uh, this matter of serving the Lord. So we trust that tonight this will be, message will help us uh, to think about those things that God will use to help us to examine our hearts. Let's go to the book of Genesis chapter 28. Genesis 28, we'll read, beginning in verse 10. The Bible said, And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night, because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows, and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. Thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt... Spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all of the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest. And will bring thee again into this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep and said, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place. This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar 
and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of that city was called Luz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, that so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, tonight for the precious word of God. And dear Lord, I pray tonight, Holy Spirit, that you would please take the word as it's read and as it's preached. And please do a work in our midst this evening. I pray, dear God, that you would reveal yourself in a greater way to us. Reveal our needs before uh, you and before our own hearts and eyes, Lord God, that we might allow you to work. Lord, I pray tonight, please direct my words, my thoughts, and that God help us tonight to do what would be pleasing in your sight for your glory and for your honor, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Most of you, I'm sure, are familiar with the story of Jacob. Jacob now has, uh, by trickery and and uh, lying and deception, has taken the blessing from his brother Esau. And now he's on the run and he's on his way to find a wife. And we find that Jacob here stops at a place and, uh, and uh, lays down for the night. And the Bible says he took stones and made a pillow uh, for himself. And if you've ever camped out, uh, I've never really used a rock for a pillow. Uh, but I can imagine, and, and I'm just, I know I'm having to fill in a few things here to make sense of this. Uh, but I, I wonder if he took some kind of stone and, and then laid something soft on top of that so his head would be elevated a little bit. Uh, but the point is, the Bible said he took a, he took stones and made a pillow, and he laid down and, and went to sleep, and he must have slept pretty soundly because he began to dream, amen? And so that's where we're at here in Jacob's life. He's sleeping, and God gives him a dream. He begins to dream, and some things happen in that dream, and I want us just to consider these uh, for a moment, and uh, want to make some applications tonight in, in Jacob's life to our own lives. I find here that Jacob, he begins to dream, and it says, And he beheld, behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God uh, ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it. Now, in this dream, uh, we find that heaven becomes a very real place to him. Now, I don't know how real heaven was to Jacob before this night, uh, I don't know if he was thinking a whole lot about heaven when he, when he deceived his own father and uh, tricked his own brother. But now, in this dream, heaven has become a real place to him. And when we think about heaven, we think about a place of eternity where we're going to stay. Amen. And we think of a place where uh, God uh, abides. And so, here in this dream, uh, heaven becomes a reality to him and God becomes a reality to him. And I think about that, and many of us gave our testimony tonight of people that were influential in leading us to the Lord. But I, I remember in my life a time when actually God became a reality to me. I never really thought about God. 
until I came to a church and began to expose me to the preaching of the Word of God. And, and I wasn't in a dream. It was under the preaching of the Word of God that God became real to me. I didn't know Him as, as, God, as my Savior, but I began to think about God and who God was and what God thought of me. And so God became a reality to me. And because God became a reality to me, heaven became a reality. If you'd asked me as a 15-year-old teenager before I started going to Bible Baptist Church on that bus, uh, what do you think about going to heaven or hell? I was, I don't know, don't care. Because I didn't know and I didn't care. I didn't think about going to heaven. I didn't think about missing hell or going to hell. None of those things. But thank God for the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God. And, and I came to a place where, thank God, heaven and God both became very real to me. I'm glad for that. Can you remember when that came to you? Some people grew up in a Christian home and all you've ever heard about is God and all you've ever heard about is heaven. But there, ha- there must come a time when God becomes real to you. Not just something you hear about, but he becomes real to you. And heaven becomes a real place to you and hell becomes a real place and a real possibility unless you get saved. And I'm glad I came to that place in my life. Then I, then I noticed uh, not only did heaven and God become a real place to him in this passage of Scripture, but God begins to speak to him. And he said, Behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father, and the God of Israel, the land wherein thou liest, to thee will I give it to thy seed. And he begins to get very personal with Jacob. Jacob here finds out in this dream, God's word becomes very personal to him. God begins to declare who he is. God begins to declare some promises that he's going to fulfill in Jacob's life. He promises he'll never leave him. He promises he's going to make sure that what he tells him is going to come to pass in his life. And and the word of God became very personal to him. I'm glad, thank God, for the Word of God. But I'm glad for the day the Word of God became personal to me. I'm glad for the day when John 3.16 became personal. That man I mentioned named Luther Knatzer that uh, was responsible, that Sunday school teacher that gave us the Word of God over and over and over and and got saved. Uh, I'm glad, thank God, there was a day when he said, listen, Jesus Christ died for the sins of the whole world, but you need to understand Jesus Christ died for you. It became personal. Amen. It became personal that I was lost. It became personal that I was going to hell. It became personal that I was a sinner in need of a Savior. It became personal that Jesus died for me. That Jesus said that God loved me. And that God would forgive me of my sin and save my soul. Thank God for the day. That all became personal to me. Thank God for that. So God's word became personal to him. Then I noticed that the ladder there became apparent to him. Some people have said that that ladder is a, is typical of Jesus Christ. That, that access to God from earth. Amen. And uh, thank God tonight that uh, there was a day when Jesus Christ became apparent to me and who he was and what he was. And what he did for me. I thank God that through Jesus Christ, as that ladder represents, we have access to God tonight. I'm glad, thank God, through Jesus Christ, God came and made access to me. Amen. 
And I'm glad, thank God, for the day when I realized that Jesus Christ would save my soul. And I finally, thank God, came to a place where I was willing to repent of my sins and trust Christ. And I did, and He became a personal Savior to me. What a wonderful thing. Then I noticed this. In verse 16, the Bible said, And Jacob awaked out of his sleep. And by the way, let me say this, that the the matter of heaven and God becoming a reality and God's Word becoming personal and the Lord Jesus Christ becoming apparent to me who He was and what He did for me, I'm telling you something, when I trusted Christ as my Savior, God gave me a peace that passes all understanding. I thank God I remember being under conviction uh, in my sin. I remember uh, going home from church and being troubled about my sin and where I was going to go. I knew after a little while, I knew if I died, I'd go straight to hell. That was a troubling thing to me. It bothered me. I didn't talk to anybody else about it, but it troubled me deeply. And I began to think on that, and, and, and I'd think about it when I'd go to school during the day and at night when I'd go to sleep. And when I'd go back to church, I'd be thinking on it. I'd be troubled during the invitation. Oh, man, there was a struggle there. But that Sunday morning when I trusted Christ as my Savior, that all went away. And all of a sudden, I had peace, peace of God in my heart. I knew that God had forgiven me my sin and saved my soul, that I was going to heaven. And it brought peace and tremendous Comfort to me in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's real. Amen. It is real. But then I notice here in verse 16, and Jacob awaked out of his sleep. And he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place. This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. I want you to notice here the place where Jesus, where where uh, uh, Jacob was, uh, suddenly became a fearful place to him. It became a very serious place to him where he was at. He understood that where he was now, with the pers- the word of God being personal to him, and heaven and God being real to him, and and the latter being uh, uh, understood by him. He realized, hey, I'm in a place, I'm in a very serious place here. A very serious place. And I'm glad tonight that the place we are in in Jesus Christ is a very comforting place. But it's also a very serious place. Because we have a responsibility before God. And I want you to notice here uh, what Jacob did. The Bible said in verse 18, And Jacob rose up early in the morning, and took the stone that he had put up for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. Now, I want us to think about this just for a few moments tonight. I was reading my Bible one day, and this just kind of stuck out to me. That's kind of interesting. Here, Jacob takes the stone that he had laid his head on at night and pillowed his head on, and he takes that very stone that was for his head, and now he makes it something for God's house. He takes that which was for him, 
and now makes it for the Lord. He takes that which was for his own comfort and now makes it an object of of, uh, consecration. And I want us to take this thought just for a few minutes tonight about consecrating our comfort to God. Consecrating our comfort to God. I love comfort, don't you? I like being comfortable. I like these padded chairs better than wooden pews. We were in Honduras several years ago, and we were sitting on two-by-sixes that were laying on top of, of cement blocks stood up on their head. I can tell you this. They weren't as comfortable as these chairs right here. I, I love my comfort, and I'm sure you like your comfort. But I have you ever thought about the consecrating your comfort to God? One of the things that can harm us in our Christian life is when we get in what we call a comfort zone, where we've come along as Christians, we've we've grown in the Lord, we've walked with the Lord, we. We're serving the Lord. We're faithful to the Lord. All those things. And we know about the Lord. And we know of our Bibles to a great degree. And, and, and we become comfortable in our, in the place that we're in with God. Think about that. That can become a very serious and dangerous place to be in. Now this church, your church, this church here tonight, you, you are in a place where you're, you're serving God. Thank God for that. Amen. You're, you're, you're doing what God would have you to do. I believe biblically, this church is biblically operating as God would have it to. Uh, you're, you're trying to reach your community in many different ways. You are trying to reach around the world through supporting missionaries. You're sending missionaries out of your church. You are yourselves becoming short-term missionaries on foreign fields. Uh, you are helping get the word of God around the globe through supporting printing works and, and so on. I mean, you're doing what you ought to do. And thank God for it. If we're not careful, we can get to the place where we get comfortable and we love our comfort and so we... We don't want to move out of that comfort zone any further. We're doing well in our comfort zone. No use in moving any further out of that comfort zone. And we get to where, if we're not careful, we draw back from anything that would become uncomfortable to us. Don't you think about that? Your pastor's heart is for this church to abound and move forward, and I believe that's God's heart. But that will mean if we're going to continue to move forward, we have to be willing to step out of the comfort zone that we're in. That means there has to come a time and a place where we're willing to consecrate our comfort to the Lord. Amen? So that's the challenge tonight for me, myself, And I believe for all of us tonight, we're not talking about wicked people. We're not talking about evil people. We're talking about people that love God and doing the right thing. But if we're not careful, our comfort that God has given us will become our detriment in going forward and continuing 
to abound in the work of the Lord. So we must ask ourselves tonight, am I willing to consecrate my comfort to God? I want you to, I'll give you about four areas tonight to consider this in, just for us to help examine our own lives and, and see if the Lord can speak to our hearts about these things. But I ask yourself, when was the last time I stepped out of my comfort zone for the glory of God? Now, there, let me say this, there's the comfort, uh, uh, the comfort zone of, of just physical comfort. Just physical comfort. We all love physical comfort. But you know, there may come a time in our life, you, listen, many of you, many of you this week, you've stepped out of your physical comfort zone to serve God you've been here you've worked hard you've worked at home you've done made preparations and many of you you understand what it means to step out of your physical comfort zone to go forward and do something beyond what you normally do for God and thank God for it amen we couldn't have a meeting like this that we've had if people weren't willing to step out of their comfort zone physically and do what you've done this week. Amen. You support missionaries around the world that have left their physical comfort zone to serve God in other places. Many of you have left your physical comfort zone and took missions trips for a week or eight days or whatever it is. You understand what I'm talking about tonight. There comes a time when we must we must be willing to to consecrate our physical comfort zone to move forward with God. God wants us to be willing to say, yes, I'm comfortable right here physically, but Lord, if you want me to step beyond that, I'm willing. There's a young man that lost his life this week on the mission field because he was willing to step out of his comfort zone and take the risk. Now, he's rejoicing in heaven tonight. I I guarantee you he's not sorry. Amen. There's sorrow down here, but he's not sorry up there. But I think about the risk. You know, I believe the reason many people uh, that may be called to go and serve God somewhere, and it doesn't necessarily mean a foreign country. It could be, it could be somewhere else in this country. We were in Baltimore uh, uh, about six weeks ago. We, we took a team to Baltimore to help a brand new church plant in inner city Baltimore. I guarantee you, I was not comfortable there. Period. I told that young man, I said, I just want you to know I praise God that God called you here in this place to do this because that means he didn't call me to do it. Amen. Here's a young man's willing to move his family to a very uncomfortable place because God's called him to do that. Physically comfortable. You know, I believe many people may be called of God to go do something, but because they're not willing to leave their physical comforts, the risk to their health. We're praying and planning on going to Zambia in March. I'm already thinking about how uncomfortable it's going to be. I don't like shots, for one thing. We're going to take some shots to go. Amen? Not COVID. I'm just talking about other shots. I get thinking about that. I don't like mosquitoes, especially ones that carry malaria. And I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about how unsanitary it's going to be there. 
I'm thinking about where I'm going to get water when I'm thirsty. I'm thinking about what kind of food are we going to eat when we see all these things are comfortable for me. And I'm thinking about all that. I'm thinking about how hot and sticky it's going to be. Sleeping under a mosquito net every night. Yeah. You know why a lot of people never move forward for God? They're not willing to consecrate their physical comforts to obey the Lord. Amen? As far as their health, as far as their safety, I don't believe God wants us to do stupid things, but I do believe God wants us to obey Him. If He calls us to go somewhere, we ought to be willing to go and whatever it is. I I know of a young man that uh, I spoke with here just several months ago. He said, God's called me to pastor and I'm praying about where God wants me to go. And I gave him a place and a name and I said, no, no, I don't believe God's in that. And I said, well, why is that? And he pulls out a list. A list, a whole sheet of paper of what had to be in place for him to go wherever he's going. I just gave up. He had his comfort zone list. And he wasn't going to go outside of that comfort zone. Amen? I'm afraid we need to ask ourselves tonight, am I willing to step out of my comfort zone and consecrate my physical comfort to God? You go door to door up here in the winter, you've got to consecrate your physical comfort. (laughs) In Kentucky, if we have one day of a little snow, ain't nobody going door knocking. Ain't nobody going to go to school. Half the factories will shut down. I mean, it's just the way it is. But you need to ask yourself, you know, people, we have opportunities today like we've never had because of travel time to take short-term missions trips. What a blessed, I'm telling you, we live in a tremendous day of opportunity where you can go somewhere for a week and be a blessing to a missionary on the field and help hold his hands up and, and, and be an encouragement to him. But you know why a lot of people won't do it? Be uncomfortable physically. Well, we're going to be staying in a four-star motel. We're going to have air conditioning. What kind of food are we going to have to eat? What's the temperature going to be? Amen. And lots of people that could be used of God to be a blessing and a help to someone else and glorify God are not willing to consecrate their comfort, their physical comforts to God. And so that's something we need to think about. If we're going to move forward spiritually and in, the, in this matter of mission, the King family, we spent two weeks with the King family. I guarantee you, you know what they had to do? They had to consecrate their comfort to go where they are. I've been there. I stayed with them. I don't want to live there. When the man that brings the water jugs to deliver the water two or three times a week to their front door, their children don't answer the door because of the danger the possibility of one of their kids being kidnapped or somebody breaking breaking on in and robbing the house. That's everyday life for them now. Not comfortable. 
Amen? While we were there, your pastor already probably told you that. While we were there, we were there for two weeks. Tammy and I stayed a week after the wings team came home. While we were there, six police officers were killed. One of them was a police chief. A man and his daughter were shot and killed right in the park, two blocks from the front door of Brother Chris's church. They were pulling buses off the road, emptying the buses, setting the buses on fire. They were willing to consecrate their comfort to obey God. You know what? Every single one of us ought to be willing to do that. And I believe if more of us did, more of us would be somewhere else serving God eventually. That may not be. You've got to do that to serve God right here. I'm just saying no matter where it is, are we willing to consecrate our physical comforts? You know, some people won't even consecrate their physical comfort and come to church on Sunday night. Amen? So, that's, that's an area we could ask ourselves. And the truth of the matter is, the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm not trying to be irreverent when I say this, but he left the comforts of heaven to come and be our Savior. Did he not? He did. And so, we might ask ourselves tonight, am I willing to consecrate my physical comforts to serve the Lord? Number two, I think there's the comfort of friendship. You know, we're prone to get comfortable in a circle of friends. Amen. We got circles of friends, circles of fellowship, and that's good. Thank God for it. But if we're going to reach people with the gospel, we've got to be willing to step outside of that circle and reach out to people that we're not comfortable with. Amen. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You ever been around people that make you uncomfortable? You know, if you had a magnet in your pocket, their head would be sticking to your side because they got so much metal on them. People can make us uncomfortable. Am I willing to consecrate the comfort of the friendships that I have to do what the Lord would have me to do? I was in a motel lobby here. I mentioned this the other night, maybe last night, uh, just last week in and getting a coffee, and a guy come up, and he, he struck up a conversation with me. Total stranger. I'm total stranger. And he started talking to me. He, he opened up the conversation, very friendly. We talked. We ended up talking for an hour about the Lord. That's not what it started with. That's where it ended. But when we got done, I got back to the room, I got to thinking, that shouldn't have been him striking up the conversation. That should have been me. He didn't mind stepping out of his comfort zone to talk to a total stranger. Amen. But I, I didn't step out of my comfort zone until he had stepped out of his. I wonder how many more people we might be able to reach with the gospel. We were willing to take the initiative to consecrate the comfort of our friendships that we have. And say, I'm willing to be a friend to somebody else. Amen? Think about that. There's the comfort, there's the comfort of our family. You know, if we're not careful, we can have lost loved ones that are dying and going to hell. 
And we've got to the place where the only way we can be comfortable around them is if we don't talk about those things anymore. They're going to die and go to hell. Amen. We're not careful we can get to the place where we value the comfort of the family. I remember <laughs> my father-in-law. My father-in-law didn't, he never met a stranger. He was a, he talked about the Lord to anybody and everybody. And when he would get together with his family members, his brother-in-law, sister-in-law, they were devout Mormons. They got together once a year at grandma's house at Christmas. And it was not comfortable. Because he had a burden for their, their souls. He had a burden for, for Harvey and for Norma and for their six children because they were in that deception of the Mormon religion. And he knew that if they die, they're going to go straight to hell. And he would not let the opportunity, I'm not talking about being ugly or being belligerent, but he would not let it go without trying to reach them with the gospel again. Every year. It was uncomfortable. For everybody. But he'll not have their blood on his hands when he stands before God. We're not careful. We can get to the place even with our own lost family that we love dearly, but they're on their way to hell and we know it. But because it's uncomfortable to try to deal with them again, we'll just let it go. Yeah. Sad. It's sad. You know, I, I, I pastor two churches, and, and I've said before, you know, I remember when, when, when I got saved and, how I had such a burden for my parents to be saved and, and I would talk to them and it was not comfortable. Does anyone hear what I had to say? And they let me know they didn't really want to hear it. But I was so burdened for them that I, I wanted them to be saved. I prayed for them. I witnessed to them. I talked to them. Tried to be respectful to them. When revival meeting would come around, I would beg them. I'd beg them, just come, please come one night. Just one night. Any special meeting. Anything to get them to come, to get them to come. And it, it would be very uncomfortable. And it was not easy to fellowship with that. Amen. But I knew if they died, they'd go to hell. And I've said as, as a pastor many times, you know, uh, it was, there was a time when people, they, they wouldn't miss a revival service. They wouldn't miss a special service like that. And they would do everything they can to get their lost families in. And now a pastor has to do everything he can to get saved people to come. We've gotten comfortable. We need to be willing to sacrifice the comfort of our friendships and our family relationships to win them to Christ. If we don't reach them, who's going to? Then I think about the comfort of our finances. Can't talk about missions without talking about finances. But think about this. And thank God for those who tithe and those who give. But you know what? If we're going to abound and continue to move forward, we, we're going to have to step out of our comfort zone financially. Let me ask you this, church. When was the last time this church had to pray to God 
for finances to pay the electric bill. Probably been a while. Financially, God has blessed you. Amen. He's blessed you. When's the last time you had to pray to God to pay any bill? Isn't the Lord good? But if we're not careful, we get to the place we get comfortable with that and not go any further. Stay in that comfort zone financially. Think about your own personal life. You know, I read this one time and I thought it was interesting. Someone said, some people give below their means. They give below their means. In other words, they'll give God a tip every once in a while. But they get, and I'm not talking about tithing now. If you don't tithe, you're a crook. Amen. You're a thief. We're talking about giving. Some people give below their means. Some people give according to their means. In other words, when it comes like the faith promise, okay, Lord, what would you have me to do? And I'm going to sit down with my budget, and here's what I can budget, and here's what I can afford to do this year. So, Lord, this is what I'm going to do for faith promise. And I give according to my means. But then there are those who give beyond their means. In other words, on paper, it's not going to work. But by faith, it will. They step out of the comfort zone, their financial comfort zone of what... I can comfortably give and it's not going to hurt me any. And say, no, I've got to, God wants me to, I'm talking about God directing your life. No, God wants us to step out beyond that. You say, but if I do that, then it's going to wreck my budget. Yeah. But that's where faith promise comes in. That's where God takes care of the budget. Amen? Individually or as a church. As a church. I remember the first church I pastored. Uh, they, a few years earlier, they had voted to build a big gymnasium. They had a Christian school at the time. They voted to build a gymnasium and they, they borrowed, and of course this is a good while ago. You know, this is two centuries ago. Uh, they borrowed $50,000 to build that gymnasium. And it was nothing but a complete headache the whole time they used it. They didn't seal the concrete right, so in the summer the humidity formed in there. They didn't have any air conditioning in it. Humidity would form, and it was like walking across ice in the summertime. You remember that? Because they had painted the floor with swimming pool paint. And so when it got humid in there, I mean, it was like an ice skating rink. And then the, the roof, because it wasn't ventilated correctly, the roof in eight years, the roof looked like you'd taken the shotgun and shot holes all through the roof. When I got to come, I got to figure out how to deal with all that. Amen. But we were talking about missions one time, and I was trying to put things in perspective. And I said, look, you, you know, as a church, you voted to go and borrow $50,000 to build a gymnasium. When was the last time this church voted to borrow $50,000 to send to missions? And I wasn't advocating borrowing. I was trying to make a point. Where's our priorities? Amen. Amen. And I'm saying tonight, 
I believe God would have us consecrate our financial comfort zone to Him. Now let some man tell you what to do. Let God tell you when God says, listen, I want you to step out beyond what's comfortable to you. And trust me. Amen? Is God trustworthy? God certainly is. Let me give you one more. This one just simply is a faith comfort. I got to thinking about this. You know what? We all walk in a comfort zone within our faith. What we're willing to trust God to do and to do for us and what we believe God is able to do. And we walk in that comfort zone of our faith and God wants us to step out of that comfortable faith into an uncomfortable faith. Stretch our faith limits. Amen. You might ask yourself, when was the last time I prayed, literally prayed sincerely for God to do something that I, I, I really believe is impossible? Unless God does it. You know, it's easy to pray for things we know can work out. Amen. But what about our prayers about and believing and trusting God to do things that is beyond what our faith has been before? Trusting God to do above and beyond what I've always believed in Him to do. Our comfort zone of faith. I believe God wants us to consecrate our faith to him. Say, Lord, would you please increase my faith? Increase, help me to grow, help me to abound in this area of faith. But if I'm going to abound in it, I'm going to have to be willing to consecrate where I'm comfortable in it and allow you to take me on that uncomfortable place. Amen? I hope this makes sense to you tonight. God spoke to my heart about it. And I trust maybe he's spoken to your heart. I believe God wants to continue to work through our lives, through Bonners Ferry Baptist Church. Now, what you've done in the past, you've experienced these things in the past. Amen. You have stepped out by faith and finances, and you've stepped out physically, many of you, and you've stepped out in these different areas. But we don't want to get to a place where we're just comfortable. We want to keep moving forward. Amen. Amen. Trusting God all the way.